End Times. Okay then, Andrew, we're doing fairly well down through this very, very interesting topic. It's real and it's important that people understand and that we understand so that we can make sure we get our lives in the right way with regards to God and Jesus and our relationship to him. Last time we were talking about the woes. And I must admit, I was thinking I'd like to get this a little bit more into perspective and to understand a little bit more about what these really are and where the information comes from in the Bible and how I can understand better. So would you be as kind as nipping back a little bit? How many woes are there? Whereabouts do we find them referenced in the Bible? And in what sort of sequence do they happen? Yeah, in the book of Revelation, it neatly tidies things up into chunks. And we have the seven seals, which we've already dealt with, but I've not necessarily called them the opening of the seals. Seven specific events. And we have then the seven trumpets... And the last three trumpets are the three woes in Revelation. Then some voices said, Keep on telling what will happen to the people of many nations, races and languages, and also to kings. An angel gave me a measuring stick and said, Measure around God's temple. Be sure to include the altar and everyone worshipping there. But don't measure the courtyard outside the temple building. Leave it out. It has been given to those people who don't know God, and they will trample all over the holy city for 42 months. My two witnesses will wear sackcloth while I let them preach for 1,260 days. These two witnesses are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand in the presence of the Lord who rules the earth. Any enemy who tries to harm them will be destroyed by the fire that comes out of their mouths. They have the power to lock up the sky and to keep rain from falling while they're prophesying. And whenever they want to, they can turn water to blood and cause all kinds of terrible troubles on earth. After the two witnesses have finished preaching God's message, the beast that lives in the deep pit will come up and fight against them. It will win the battle and kill them. Their bodies will be left lying in the streets of the same great city where their Lord was nailed to a cross. And that city is spiritually like the city of Sodom or the country of Egypt. For three and a half days, the people of every nation, tribe, language and race will stare at the bodies of these two witnesses and refuse to let them be buried. Everyone on earth will celebrate and be happy. They will give gifts to each other because of what happened to the two prophets who caused them so much trouble. But three and a half days later, God will breathe life into their bodies. They will stand up and everyone who sees them will be terrified. The witnesses then heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And while their enemies were watching, they were taken up to heaven in a cloud. At that same moment, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. Seven thousand people were killed, and the rest were frightened and praised the God who rules in heaven. The second horrible thing has now happened. 
but the third one will be here soon. The first world was when we were talking about the scorpion-like angelic beings released from the abyss and uh, tormenting humankind for five months. This is all after the rapture. This is all after Jesus has taken away his people. So these are the outpourings of God's wrath on the non-Christian earth. So the people were tormented during the first world with the hope that they would repent and turn to Christ because nothing else has worked. And then we have the second world, during which you have the two special prophets of God who are placed within Jerusalem and are proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming the gospel of God, trying to turn the people of the world to God. But every so often, people were sent to destroy these two prophets. Everybody who will try to destroy these two prophets in Jerusalem in the future will be destroyed by fire. They will not be successful. However, during all this time, we have the rise of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is called the beast or called the man of lawlessness. The word Antichrist is what scholars have often labelled him as. So he's known as the Antichrist. He will rise to power and at some point he will be enabled to overcome these two prophets in Jerusalem. And they will actually be killed and everybody will be distributing presents and rejoicing about this incredible thing. These two fearful prophets of God have finally been destroyed and they're left in the streets to rot and for people to gloat over them. But because of that, people end up witnessing them standing on their feet and then ascending to heaven. So these prophets were indeed within God's plan. They're God's special agents who were sent to the earth at this time. So even though the Antichrist succeeded in killing these prophets... Actually, he didn't destroy them because God has the power of life and death and he took them away as resurrected beings. And then we come to the third woe. So this is like a second set of three and a half years that happens sometime after these prophets were taken away. So during this second three and a half year period, the Antichrist is still around and his power has been increased and he has taken over the whole world, basically, apart from God's people. He is forcing everybody within the world to receive a mark on their hand or on their forehead, without which they can't buy anything or sell anything. So basically they can't function, they can't live unless they follow the Antichrist. And this is when the new Christians, the people who did become Christians eventually, through the two prophets and through other means, when people started to become Christians, they immediately, almost immediately, will become a target of the Antichrist, who is enabled to have power over them, enabled to persecute these new Christians in the future, just like the Roman emperors in the past used to persecute the Christians and throw them to the lions, so the Antichrist will have a similar power and he will behead them because they refuse to worship him.
is stronger than Satan and sin. Satan to Jesus must bow. Therefore I triumph without and within. Jesus saves me now. Jesus saves me now. Jesus saves me now. Yes, Jesus saves me all of the time. Jesus saves me now. During this third world, this last three and a half year period, there will be another beast, um, so to speak. And Revelation tells us about it. And he will be a false prophet who will support the Antichrist. He'll be his second in command, in a sense. And um, we are told that the false prophet uses signs and wonders. They are satanic signs and wonders. Even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of all. We're told this in Revelation 13.13 even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of all. We are also told in Thessalonians, so this isn't just in the book of Revelation, and people often think, oh, it's the book of Revelation, you don't believe that, it's all symbolic. But we have it in Thessalonians too. The coming of the lawless one, that is the man of lawlessness, the beast, the antichrist, The coming of lawlessness is apparent in the working of Satan, who uses all power, signs, and lying wonders, and every kind of wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. So these satanic miraculous signs will take place, and they will deceive the whole world. We can often as Christians forget the fact that Satan has supernatural power and Satan can do marvellous things, wondrous things, things that will impress people, not necessarily appearing evil all the time. Sometimes they may appear to be good. Some of these signs and wonders could be physical healings. All things that will encourage people to follow the Antichrist and worship him. So this is what will happen in the future. Yes, it's interesting that you say that it's not only the book of Revelation. Yes, in my experience, there are people who put it into the fairy story category. But uh, it's also in other parts of the Bible referred to. I think I can understand your point about Satan having powers and sometimes powers to do good things, but predominantly not good things. I go back to Pharaoh and Moses and the encounter there where Moses did something and Pharaoh got his clever people. We can do the same. We're as good as you. And they did. And then Moses did something else. And oh, yes, our men can do the same. We're as good as you. And that went on a significant number of times, didn't it? Through the story as recorded in the Old Testament right up to the time where it came to the death of the firstborn child and the angel of God protecting the people and the people of Israel escaping and crossing the sea in a miraculous way. But the powers of Satan were immense there. Yes. And we need to remember that. 
and not to just dismiss it as being oh no it's a fairy story but it is real and these woes they are real and you have rightly said of course we christians will have been called away during the rapture so to some extent we don't really mind too much as to what happens after we've gone but on the other hand i think people should know because it's a bit of a warning sign to people that these not very good things are going to happen and it's a good idea to turn to jesus now and to build up some sort of relationship with god to be on the right side to be on the right team not on the wrong team to be on the right team and uh, we would encourage people in that since condemnation is over and gone jesus alone knoweth how life and salvation my soul hath put on jesus saves me saves me now, Jesus saves me now, yes, Jesus saves me all of the time, Jesus saves me now. Satan may tempt, but he never shall reign, that Christ will never allow. Doubts I have buried in my strength. Jesus saves me now. Jesus saves me now. Jesus saves me now. Yes, Jesus saves me all of the time. Jesus saves me now.